Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop, which is taking place on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer to sign up. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to identify simple solutions and systems that will make a massive difference and ripple effect inside of your center. I'm going to help you create efficiency where you need it most and understand what is causing your school to feel so hectic and where those big pain points are. We're going to clarify your center's priority system to improve this summer. I'm going to show you how to audit those systems. We're going to define your desired outcomes, and you're going to leave the workshop with a simple plan that will make huge impact. And by simple, I mean very simple. No complex, no multi-step processes. Super, super simple. No one has time for long things. No one has brain capacity for extra stuff. We need simple things that have massive impact. Go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer, and I'll see you there. It was February, 2021, and things were only getting worse in the small city of Torino, Italy. The whispering of a novel virus was taking over the land. Nicoline Santamartino is a mom of two boys, ages 18 months and seven years old. She's a school leader with 10 teachers and 65 families. She holds great responsibility for the many people in her care. Many people remember Italy as being the largest hot zone with just absolute chaos. Nicoline takes us into those beginning moments of what she was feeling during that time. Initially, for me, it, it was actually quite a, this can't be true, type of reaction. Um, in Italy, in general, people blow things up a lot, especially the media. Uh, so initially it was at the end of February and um, I remember they said that they were going to close schools and everything for a week and I was so I got my staff in and that week and we we worked um, on making the school cleaner and better and, and getting everything I was quite in denial of what was really happening um, even though paying attention to everything that was you know that the news was saying I just didn't know exactly how much to believe at the time. So for my family, my son, the my seven-year-old son, he is asthmatic. Um, and I've known that there were breathing complications. Um, both my husband and I were quite concerned about this. Um, and so we, I started reading up a lot more about what, COVID is and what how you get it and the impacts of it um, and being a lot more cautious um, on a on a health level that was my biggest concern. From this distance of where we are now we can discern some of the characteristics and moves that each of these leaders took to take on this great crisis. Now we can look back and see a bright future but the reality back then was very different. As parents' fears intensified, many of them living with elderly parents and other members who were immunocompromised, the challenges became insurmountable. Not only were leaders dealing with a deadly virus, but they were trying to desperately keep their doors open of their school. They were also up against people's greatest fears and anxieties and trying their hardest to minimize trauma. 
People were choosing between, do I do this or I do that? There were so many choices to make. The school leaders who led during this season are heroes. And if you're listening right now, you're a hero. You survived that season. So let's go back to where Nicolene dug deep within herself to find the strength and resilience to persevere. So my school uh, is a school that I took over from the founder and um, she kind of made me promise that I'll do my best to to look after her baby. Um, so I forever live with this promise that I made to her and I want to uphold it because I'm always a person of my word. Um, and like you mentioned, there was the time where I was uh, a bit more concerned, uh, a bit more worried. Um, and, and I thought I had to reflect about closing or not closing. And then I just thought, look, if you don't give 200% in doing your best to keep the school running, you're never going to forgive yourself because you made a promise and you keep promises. And so we've got to look at what the options are to keep the promises that we've made. And that was the first part. And the second part was considering the amount of families uh, that I am responsible for as a, as a, you know, as an owner, uh, the amount of people who depend on my salary that I pay them every month. Um, and those two things drove me to find the strength, the strength and the courage to just go for it. One of the hallmarks of great leadership is knowing where to get your information from and who will be your advisors and mentors during crisis. As there will always be conflicting information, especially during the beginning of the COVID season, everything kept changing. The leaders who rode through this made some initial decisions around who they were going to get information from and then had the discipline to stick with it, not get sidetracked by the fear-mongering media. It wasn't helpful to their schools, it wasn't helpful to their livelihood or their mental health to watch the panic and hysteria. So I decided on seeing which were the most valid resources that I had. So official numbers um, on, for example, Worldometer, where we, where I saw the actual numbers, um, and I followed the government sites uh, and only the information that came directly from the government or from the the health institution uh, was the information that I followed. Uh, I found that a lot of people went into panic because. We read that the lockdown is going to be extended. We read that this is going to happen. We read that that's going to happen. And I decided to have an attitude of until such time that the official website or the official communication doesn't come out. I'm not going to panic. We're handling the situation in this way and we'll go ahead with it this way. Um, and so such time as we have different news. And that was the only thing that really helped you know, it's to keep a square mind about it. The American people and many countries around the world got to quote unquote, enjoy a choir period over the summer where cases were lower, but then Italy had news of the impending new lockdown again. 
after the summer, uh, when we when we came back, the first month or so started being it w- was all calm and quiet, and then all of a sudden, I started getting parents acting in very aggressive manners. Um, one morning, a mother uh, verbally attacked one of my teachers because she wouldn't accept her son because uh, he had had a fever the day before. Um, and and so I started seeing this pattern of people acting very forcefully about what, strongly about what they, what they want. Then the really big alarms came on when I started having, I had um, a situation where parents were fighting in the, in the parking um, because of someone parking funny or uh, they they just became very angry and more aggressive. And it, it's just started making me think about what, what was actually going on. And I mean, it came on like a, a, an extreme light that was just focused, a spotlight that focused on it when, when we actually spoke about it. And when I spoke to you in one of our support call, calls about it and you said to me, what's happening on the media? I hadn't even realized because I wasn't following. Like I said before, I chose my channels and those were the only channels that I followed. Um, but I had started hearing the staff saying, oh, they're saying that we're gonna, they're going to lock us down again. And what are we going to do? And at least now we can work. But what if we can't work anymore? And how are we going to handle the mental health situation about being at home? And I just kept on saying to them, but there's none of that on the official sites. Um, and then when in, your, in our conversation, you mentioned what's happening in the media, it was like a spotlight shone on it. And I just realized that actually this is panic it's it's not anything else except for panic people are reacting the way they are because they're terrified of being closed in their homes again and having to work from home with their children and 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 for their health in general so that was definitely a a big (laughs) eye-opener just knowing how to navigate these difficult conversations with teachers about accountability, about coming on time, about just some of the daily operations that were becoming a struggle because of what everyone was dealing with and because you wanted to come with more of a component of empathy and compassion. I know that you you know, leaned heavily on the group of the owners um, who really gave a tremendous amount of support. And I'd love for you to share more about what did support really look like for you during that season? And why did having a community of leaders make it easier for you to be carried through this season? So I think the main thing was that in the group, I felt extremely safe. Like I could say what I was doing and I could receive objective criticism that would help to better what I was doing, but nobody in the group is scared to share what they're actually doing. And it's so special to have a place where you can go to, where you feel safe, because it's not, to have a place where it's not a dog eat dog world, you know, where um, we're not afraid of sharing what we've got because someone else is gonna try and run me out of business or because someone else is going to try and steal my clients. Um, and, 
and that's what I really found in the group was the biggest thing that that helped me. Um, and then, of course, uh, the lightheartedness of um, of some situations, you know, where things were really uh, just the drama was taken out of it. And they're like, I even can't remember what I'm supposed to be doing. I can understand how you're feeling type of thing. Um, and it just really, really helped, you know, having ha having the resources and the and the help. And even though I'm in a completely different country and things don't always work the same here, at least I could nitpick at what what information I had to help me go ahead with with what I had. And I hope that I could help likewise you know with with the information that i have it's not always it being in a different country it's always very difficult but it's a different cultural perspective and it's a you know it, it helps a lot in general so it, it just having that support was really what pulled me through especially with the second wave I want to introduce you to one of our owners who started in our directors in our circle, moved through our owners HQ, and is now in our CEO legacy group. She started with us in 2018 and has seen massive growth in her company and organization and the way that she has developed an accountable culture. I want you to meet Missy Griffin as she shares the impact that accountability has had on her school. In my head, I always think WWCD, which is what would Connie do? Because I always think I'm going to have to, there's so much accountability with this program when you're in the inner circle, like where we have to, um, on Fridays, tell you what a win was and a loss or something we're struggling with. And, and um, you have to be accountable for what you're doing to this group of women. So that helps. And then also just always having in my mind that um, I'm here to take care of my teachers so my teachers can take care of the kids. So that rings in my head constantly. If you want more information on our directors in our circle or our other memberships for early childhood leaders, you can go to hani.me slash join the DIC or click the links in the show notes. All right, let's get back to our show. When I think about, you know, when you first joined the group, you know, you joined during COVID. It's not like you've been part of this group, you know, from, from this pre-era and I've seen such a transformation in just how you articulate, how you show up, how you ask questions, um, how you believe in yourself and how you believe you deserve to lead, to be in this position. Um, I feel like you, you're you no longer this imposter of like, do I belong here? Am I worthy of this role? Like, I really feel like you own who you are and how you show up. And so I, I'd love for you to share with the people that are listening, like, when you think of that transition of believing that you deserve to be in that position, how did that really save yourself and the company from going under? Because so many schools didn't make it and you're still standing. So why, why are you still standing? Well, I think mainly when we doubt ourselves, we definitely transmit an extreme insecurity and how can you expect somebody to buy into what you're selling if you're not even sure what you're selling um you know it's it's just it and i've made a really big transition um in setting boundaries uh in knowing when to listen in knowing what type of uh, information to take out of 
uh, even out of the worst complaints, even out of people screaming their heads off at, at me. Um, and just to maintain a very calm um, approach to it. I, I mean, I had, I had a, a funny type of criticism that happened. Um, it, it was an, in about October, all the other schools in town had had various cases in the school. And I had a parent come to me and say, like, why is it that at Kuchulo we haven't had any COVID cases? And I could have taken that in two different ways. The skill of leading difficult conversations and also learning how to interrupt the process of feedback is a foundational skill in your leadership journey. The reason I say skill is because this is not talent. Knowing how to lead difficult conversation and discern when to be quiet, when to speak up, what to do is 100% teachable. It is learnable if you want to, if you want to. We actually have a template for leading difficult conversations in the show notes. Through Nicolene's time in the Owners Only program, she developed a strong internal skill for processing feedback from parents. She shares an anecdote that is very telling to how she has grown in herself throughout her journey of getting support in her role. The first being, I could have taken it as a criticism where I am being accused of hiding things. So my communication not being enough there, um, I'm hiding that somebody was sick, um, you know, like a very bitter, ugly way, okay? Especially with a parent that it came from who often has this type of um, questioning, okay, where you don't quite understand whether she is just questioning for, for the knowing of what's happening or whether she is questioning because actually she thinks that you're doing things not correctly. Or I could take it as a huge compliment because we're definitely doing our work as well as we possibly can. And actually, I decided to take the compliment and say, look, up until now, for now, we haven't had any COVID cases, and I'd like to believe that it is because we work well, we stick to protocol, and we stay outside a lot. As a leader, your job is to take care of the teachers so they can take care of the children. And as an owner, it's your job to take care of the directors so they can take care of the teachers so they can take care of the children. The question is, who's taking care of you? Who is nurturing you? Who is nourishing your soul and reminding you of these important mindset shifts? As someone who leads many leaders, I take that responsibility very seriously. And so I decided to invite Dr. Sherry Walling, who's a clinical psychologist, to do multiple guest sessions with the leaders of our community, both with directors and in our owners group. Nicolene shares how these sessions have changed the trajectory of her leadership and the relationship that she has with both teachers and families. First thing that jumps to mind is um, the suggestion that she made of protecting our hearts <laughs> uh, with having a cup in front of you, even if it's a cup that's empty. And I do that 
um, even even with phone call conversations now, um, because it's just it, it, it just definitely being a person who takes everything very personal. It definitely helped me to step aside from this big problem. Uh, for example, I today find out, found out that two of my staff members, uh, their sisters, they, they lost their mom yesterday. Um, and something that is heartbreaking, I managed to navigate it without getting so heartbroken myself for them that I could sort out what the problems were for the school. And in that way, being human and empathetic, but also showing up for the rest of the team without failure. Um, so that definitely was one of the main things. And then our conversation about burnout, um, it, it just, you know, you always think there's burnout, but that's not happening to me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not living that. And she just kind of had this way of, of making, me, making us realize or guiding us to realizing that even though we're strong leaders and even though we are um, supposed to be <laughs> this, this idea of never failing, always there and always ready, um, we do have a human side to us and we do have a side that gets tired. And especially if you are in burnout and if you are tired, you can still function. You just need to self-care. And that was, that was the main thing because I just felt like, oh my goodness, if I'm in burnout, this is a disaster. The school's gonna have to close because I, I and I, so I can't be in burnout. I can't allow myself to, to, to be down or to be depressed or to be anxious or to be uh, any of the frail words that we, that we use to express um, what is happening during burnout. But I can decide to self-care and show up even though I'm in a full burnout. Um, and that, so those are a few of the things that definitely helped me a lot. I love how you've really helped close a like learning cycle for yourself where you realize that as long as I continue to stockpile the pain of like, oh, I'm not allowed to feel anxious because I have to be there for everyone else. And in this dichotomy of thinking, as long as I don't allow myself to feel it, it means it's not coming out into my mm -hmm. culture, which is so false, right? It's such a, it, it, there's no truth to that at all, but really um, accepting the truth of like, if I allow myself to feel this and then I take care of it, that's how I take care of the team better. Not ignoring it, ignoring it, ignoring it. It doesn't make it go away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that also helped my team a lot because I was really open about it with them. Um, I, I spoke to them about it as a leader. Uh, we, we had a, a team building evening um, and I shared with them the fact that I'm also taking strain that there are also things that are scary for me. And so just as there are things that are scary for me or that make me anxious, the same way they probably have things too. And that, that really helped them to start feeling safe enough to share what they feel like sharing. 
and to realize that self-care is important and that they then went and decided you know they kind of confronted with each other like oh, oh i go to the gym uh oh no the gyms are closed so i can't go to the gym i'm usually a swimmer but now i'm doing pilates online or um, you know and and so the they started sharing what was special for them as as uh, as self-care and i also realized that sometimes we don't all understand what self-care actually is you know we all think that it is just you know going to the hair salon having our hair done um, or brushing our teeth in the morning and 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 those are actually just default things that we should be doing in a routine a normal routine and that's not taking the special time for yourself which is so important I love that you gave your team the space and the language to have the conversation with each other, because the support that they could give one another is greater than anything that you can give them, because they're side by side, they link arms with one another. And so when one teacher tells the other one, instead of swimming, I'm doing Pilates, the teacher's like, oh, that's such a great idea. I could do that also. It's very different mm -hmm. than when you tell them, oh, instead of swimming, you could do Pilates. It's, yeah. it's just a completely different conversation. So what a gift you've given them to have that language and camaraderie with one another. COVID has taught all of us something. For every person, it's different. And I know that if you're listening to this show and you have a growth mindset, which means that you're committed to always learning something from any challenge, it's about rising with resilience. I once heard a great quote. If you don't learn something from every challenge or crisis, it's the equivalent of paying the toll and not being able to cross the bridge. You get stuck on one side. Nicolene has had tremendous internal growth that even her friends and people that are closest to her noticed her change. So on a personal level, um, I definitely am extremely grateful for um, the time that the virus has given us to slow things down. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that so many of us live such a frantic lifestyle um, and this kind of forced us <laughs> to just, to a certain extent, slow down. And if I don't take 10 calls on a Monday while I'm on holiday, the world is not going to end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, it, it definitely, it, that is one of the big takeaways that I've personally had. I don't reply to emails at three o'clock in the morning anymore. Um, I, I've only just stopped breastfeeding my, my youngest. Um, we did, we, he carried on for a lot longer than, than the older um, one. And so it, it was a little bit harder to stop. Um, and so I was up a lot at night uh, because he was a very uh, frequent feeder. Uh, and so I used to spend the time that I was up instead of bonding with my son or relaxing. I spent my time answering emails, doing programming, doing, you know, and with COVID, I was forced to not do that because there weren't all these emails to answer. Yeah, sure. There was a lot of other stuff happening, um, but a lot of the other stuff that was happening couldn't be handled at three o'clock in the morning. 
So why does that one email have to be handled at three o'clock in the morning? Um, so on a personal level, uh, I've learned to set those types of boundaries, um, which definitely has, even my friends have said to me, oh, I want to be more like Nicolene next year. Um, <laughs> that's quite exciting. Um, uh, and sometimes I don't even realize it myself, you know, that I've, I've grown like this. But um, when other people start saying to you, wow, you've really become, you've really changed, you've really become, you know, this aspect and that aspect of you is so much better, um, especially from, when it's from people who you love so much. Uh, it, it, it's really special. So I, I hope to carry on growing as seeing as this virus doesn't look like it's going away too soon. <laughs> um, but it's definitely not all negative. We've got to focus on the positive side of it. Everyone wants to ride with you in the limo. But what you want is someone who will take the bus with you when the limo breaks down. It's a very famous quote from Oprah. And I love that because this season has brought out the best and worst of our teaching teams. It has peeled back the onion of so much change and advocacy that's needed for early childhood. And what's interesting is how many leaders saw teachers who would usually not lend a hand, not do these things. Many of them saw people step up like never before. Initially, um, seeing as we we ha we were forced to be closed, um, I got the team to come in and we we did some work on the on the outside because uh, we have this, our school has very big playground, um, and so we did a lot of work on that. And I saw within the time that we spent together, we did about three weeks of physical labor, which is not a teacher's job. So already having teachers wanting to come in just so that they can be together and just to build the team that that was already a very big uh, big step for me and then the the availability that i could see among them for example when we when we had two teachers positive with uh, with covid um i i stepped in myself having been a teacher i i stepped in and sort of Started taking over classes, um, and but, but I couldn't do it all myself. And so the the value of how you have people who previously would not step in, not even one minute extra, and then started stepping in and helping and pulling through together was just amazing. Um, and then the other part that I found amazing was people who weren't really empathetic before would notice um, maybe if I was stressed or if one of the colleagues was stressed and um, are you okay? Uh, you know, like I, I know that we, we, we can't, we, we have a very loving culture um, among some of our staff members. And so they even though we have masks and whatever all and we're not supposed to touch each other um you you'll have the one or two people who will go hang on i just need to disinfect myself and then give you a hug you know you just look like you need a hug and and that was just really special you know to see that people are they're not so caught up in themselves 
mm. anymore, you know, and, that, and, they've, and they've grown. And so the availability of people uh, in my team has just been amazing. And, and I, I just feel like we're, we're a bunch of heroes showing up together, you know. Um, we're doing what many other people don't want to do. They show up every day. They, um, uh, they, they do the, the hard work. They uh, face the fact that the, the, the sc thermal scanners don't always work because it's too cold outside. And so <laughs> the arm and keep them up here and there and try, you know, th there's even just the slightest, smallest stuff that, that is so much hard work. Um, and so I've really seen them pull together instead of fighting against each other, um, which, which, is, which has been amazing to see. As the year and the COVID crisis wore on in our minds and our souls, many leaders have stopped dreaming, thinking, oh, what's the point? It's all going to blow up anyways. And I get that. I put off planning for many months because it scared me. But right now, I want to invite you to dream again, to dream bigger dreams, to remember why you started this business, to remember why you chose this position of leadership and what you're really made of. What are those layers of connection and growth that you can bring to the team? I think your story is such a testament to the ripple effect that when the leader really digs in and says, I'm going to do the work, I'm going to, I'm going to lead first. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to do all the necessary steps that it, that that's needed for my team to grow. Um, and not expect immediate results, but, but plant those seeds and wait to see what happens. And I guess in closing, I want to ask you, What's next for you? What's on the horizon now as you continue to navigate this challenging season, but dream big for 2021? What's next for Nicolene? So one of the main things is that as far as my school is concerned, I would love for um, the culture to pass through the gratitude, the, you know, the, the empathy and the kindness to pass through onto the parents. Uh, we've reached the children, we've, I've reached the staff members, um, and we now really need to reach the parents. And so th that's one of, the, one of the main goals that I would have for my school. And then I would really like to um, open up uh, a new centre. Um, I've been looking into uh, it mainly being a centre uh, that has... Uh, with government funding um, and so making it available to not the top income bracket but you know making it available to to more um, to, to everybody um, because I think that it's so important to be able to advocate for children not only from well well-off families but especially for for the not so well-off families and, and give back to the world um, because we're my my school and is is based on outdoor education and and having the nature as a center, um, and so I'd like that to 
you know, nowadays we need to, with global warming and all of the rest, <laughs> we need to be working on that. And even if it's a very, very small impact, because definitely a hundred children are not going to make a difference in the, the population um, in general. But even if just those hundred children can can grow in that way, that, that would definitely be one of my biggest goals. I love that. I love that. This story has taught us so much. Resilience, rising up again, and remembering that no matter how many times we fall, we can choose to have the courage to stand back up again. So now, Nicolene and I would love to hear from you guys. What did you learn from this story? What inspired you? Please come join us in our Facebook group, Schools of Excellence Lounge, where school owners and directors are hanging out and Nicolene and I would love to collaborate with you on your biggest takeaways, your insights, and some questions that you still might have. Thanks so much, and I look forward to continuing the conversation. Hey there, I want to invite you to join me for the Strategic Summer Workshop on Thursday, May 30th at 1130 Eastern. You can click the link in the show notes or go to schoolsofexcellence.com slash summer. In this workshop, I'm going to walk you through how to optimize your already efficient systems or help you tweak some ones that need a little bit more tweaking to help you enter the 2024-2025 school year with ease, with success, and with calmness. Increase your profitability, reduce your expenses, and more than anything, just help you buy back some of your time. I look forward to seeing you there.